from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So um, when you actually look at your watch or you look at like your phone, there's a crystal in it. Um, so, and the reason is because it actually um, streamlines the energy inside of that particular contraption. So when people come in and they want to know the science behind it, I can tell you. Um, we do sell holy water and we don't sell the Bible because you can get that at a gas station. But we do sell holy water and we do sell these type of um, uh, artifacts and it's because they hold a lot of power. Happy Halloween. I'm Emily Woodbury. October is often referred to as the season of the witch, but for a growing number of people, witchcraft is a year-round practice. Witchcraft is on the rise, particularly for a young and predominantly U.S.-based community of Black, Latinx, and diaspora practitioners. Our producer, Maya Norfleet, says she's witnessed a growing community of people who are part of the African diaspora in St. Louis who are reconnecting with practices and customs of their ancestors. So, we invited the owner of St. Louis's new mystic shop, Sincerely the Craft, to join us for a conversation about the appeal of mysticism and why she believes it's a path to connect with not just your heritage, but your higher self. Maya and I sat down with Jade Moore on Thursday. We started the conversation by asking Jade what sparked her interest in witchcraft and what specific type of practice she observes. I accidentally had a 17-year military career. Um, okay. and so, <laughs> quick accident, <laughs> a quick accident. Um, but, uh, I was actually raised around it. My mother was an Irish gypsy witch. And then on my father's side, um, my grandmother practiced Aoife, um, which is a spiritual practice from, um, Yoruba of Africa. Yeah. So it's just always been around me and my sister. And what was what did that practice look like growing up as a family? Did you practice together? Did you do it kind of individually? You know, my our parents never pushed anything on us. We didn't go to church. Um, we didn't realize that uh, all of these things were going on in the background because we weren't actually allowed over other people's houses. Um, so I never did any sleepovers. I threw a lot of fits. Um, <laughs> I thought everybody had a horseshoe over their door. I thought everybody burned potpourri um, or simmered potpourri. Um, so it, I, I thought everybody did this um, until I was a little older. Um, and then I realized, oh, no, <laughs> uh, most people do not do this. Um, so and we were, ne yeah, we were just never made to perceive religion, per se. We were able to make our own decisions and move how we wanted to move with that. So you wouldn't even classify maybe the rituals, the practices you did as religion. How would no. you describe it? Is it spirituality? Is it a way of life? Yeah. Um, just harmonizing with everything around us and flowing with that. Um, and that's how we were kind of taught. And I, like I said, I really thought that everybody else was taught the same way because um, it's not anything that little kids talk about, really. So, Yeah. It was just always around us. And then as a child, um, 
for bedtime stories, my mother used to actually tell us uh, the stories of the tarot. And I didn't know that until later on in life when I picked up the tarot um, because I wanted to become a little bit more grounded into something. I wanted to, to have a discipline. And the tarot is a very um, blueprinted archetype discipline. So when I picked it up and I started reading about it, I was like, wow, I know this. And it's because she told us those stories. So it was actually kind of cool because it was after she passed. So it was kind of something that she left, almost like a legacy. Yeah. And as an adult, I mean, I think a lot of us have an experience where maybe we grew up with um, some type of structure, religion, way of life, and then we decide, is this something I want to carry on for myself now that I'm an adult? Maybe, you know, starting my own family or house or just, you know, way Mm -hmm. of life. What made you continue to keep these practices for yourself? Well, um, when we were... When we were growing up, we only really had three rules. Don't do anything immoral, legal, or unhealthy. Um, And we broke some of those, um, (laughs) for sure. But um, to this day, I feel like there are still good guidelines, um, and they can probably be found in any practice or spirituality or religion. Um, But after my mother passed, I really wanted to be connected to her. So going through her things, I found all of these things. And then my father um, chimed in with, well, your grandmother um, practiced Aoife, which um, parallels with hoodoo, voodoo, and santeria. Um, so I actually practice hoodoo in my adult life because um, I feel very connected to um, that, uh, that particular practice. Um, I feel it, it's, it's powerful. It's um, a way of life. So when I started practicing, um, I realized the information out there is so, it's just everywhere because anybody could put anything on the internet. And as we know now, um, books don't actually hold a lot of truth either. Mm-hmm. It's very monitored. So um, when, uh, when I started practicing and I was digging around and everything like that, um, I was like, I want to give truth to people. I want to create a space where people can feel like they're being told the right things. They're not um, falling in line with this trending manufactured spirituality that's kind of pushed on us. So um, here I am. And I want to I want to touch on that specifically because when I entered your store for the first time, even before I entered your store, mm-hmm. driving down the street and seeing like coming soon, I was like, oh, what's this? And I look you up. And I'm like, it's a woman of color. It's a woman that looks like me. And before that, I'm I'm very used to seeing older white women, mm-hmm. like long hair and all the stuff. And I'm like, you know, that's fun. And I'll still shop there. Sure. When, when you talk about like you wanting to offer people something, like what specifically are you offering just based off of who you are, your background, that especially in St. Louis or in the Midwest, mm-hmm. we didn't have before you? Oh, right. Authenticity. Um, I think that it's very important instead of creating a space to generate sales to create a space that is safe for people to explore their own journey and to um, see what enlightenment looks like to them no matter what face of God that that is really Um, and uh, I think that in our store um, we try very hard not to (laughs) box spirituality. Um, And I'm I'm not unthankful for the trend, because I think it does bring people in. But um, it is 
it saddens me that um, people are um, making money off of something that is so sacred, mm. you know. So um, 78% of our store is actually indie artists that um, we derive our products from as opposed to huge manufacturers and warehouse um, spirituality for sure. What do you find customers are usually coming to your store for? Hope. <laughs> um, I think that they want direction. I think that unless the, what I am really excited about is um, in this particular area, we're seeing more and more of um, people that are established in their um, spirituality and a little bit more um in the way that they are walking um, their journey. So we're answering less 101 questions and more so, oh, it's right here. Um, or you can use this instead or whatever have you. But um, I think that people come in and they're generally, if they are looking for just, oh my gosh, help, I don't know where to start. Um, we do get that question, but we're getting it less and less. And that makes me very excited um, because it means that people are really um, diving in and they're learning um, who they are and how they're harmonizing with their own journey for sure. And how do you coach someone who doesn't quite know exactly what they're looking for? You mentioned like what enlightenment looks like to you. Mm -hmm. um, how do you help people discover that for themselves? Well, I think that uh, the first question is, well, what's your problem? <laughs> what brought you in here? Because there's always something, you know, um, and it's anything from, oh, I want to be grounded. I feel like I'm loosey-goosey and in the universe I'm just floating around and I don't feel connected to anything. Or it's he broke up with me. I want to hex my ex. You know, it's A to Z here, um, which we don't try to fall into that, of course. But um, what we generally tell people is walk around, um, see what you're magnetized to, and then we'll go from there. Because generally what you're magnetized to is something that you're – you, you have like a little bit of comfortability with. Um, but generally it, it will co-align with the reason why they're actually here um, and whatever that reason is. Sometimes it can get a little bit heavy and I am not a psychologist, um, but we hear a lot of issues and things like that and we try our best to kind of steer them in a way that makes sense for them. Maya, what did you find yourself drawn to when you walked in the shop? I will admit, I was just excited to see Oh, I've been calling it uh, at work witchy stuff. Mm -hmm. I've been cussing and saying witchy shit like yeah. this. Um, that immediately drew me mainly because, you know, I don't know if I told you this. You opened up this location in my neighborhood. I grew up there. And my mom literally lives like three blocks <laughs> down the street. So for me, I'm like, I've, you know, I've seen my, my neighborhood change, you know, for 30, almost 33 years of People coming in, leaving, buildings being vacant forever. Then all of a sudden, boom, there's stuff there. And your your establishment, your shop is, in my opinion, very different from everything else that's up and down Locust in that just like the product mm -hmm. that you are offering. As well as, like like you mentioned, it's, not, it's more local or indie mm -hmm. instead of just like, here's a box of crystals, pick right, something up, you right, know? Right, right. We try. <laughs> but um, we were actually in Belleville for four years. So we were across the river. So we had kind of generated a following there. But what we what we saw happen, um, especially during COVID, and when people were picking up things and ordering things and we were shipping out things, 
there were a lot of people coming from St. Louis. And I think it is because we offer more of the um, African spirituality, more of the Indian spirituality and everything like that. So we decided we wanted to be more accessible. So that's why we're here. And that's something that, I mean, already like looking through the windows, I'm like, that looks cool. But when I got to the section that do have the, have the Orishas, I was mm-hmm. like, what? I don't, I could only find stuff like that, information, mm-hmm. items to make an altar online. Mm-hmm. So to see it right in front of me, and like I said, down the street from where I grew up, mm-hmm. I was extremely hyped. Can you share more, like for folks who were like, what's that? <laughs> share sure. more about that. So um, the Orishas uh, fall in line with um, the Yoruba religion of Ifa as well as um, Hoodoo Voodoo and Santeria. Um, it came over from the slave trade. Um, and then, of course, Hoodoo was originated in Louisiana because that was a stop, right? So that's kind of like a um, parallel to it. Um, unfortunately, you can't find very many um, stores, like you said, that offer these things in person. Um, and I feel like it's so important um, especially in St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, there, are, there, we are so black and brown here. Um, so to be able to see people like yourself light up, it, it is so joyous for us, um, especially for myself, because I also was not able to find anything like this. So, um, I wanted to make it my mission to have this, um, these African centric, um, religious types, um, and items available for everyone and make them affordable as well. So we don't jack up the prices or anything like that, um, like you may see out there in the field, um, because it's very important to me for um, for people to be able to uh, celebrate their spirituality accessibly and joyfully and not have to um, do it with their head hanging low when they're leaving, you know. Um, so it's it's... It's an exciting thing to see people come in and they get so excited about it. And I have to say, I have never seen more black men come into our shop in Belleville. That didn't happen. So it is mm, it is so amazing to see these spiritual men come in. And it's, it's just an amazing thing. Would you say that having your store and what it sells, it being metaphysics or witchy, how it's usually received, like you said, you were in Belva first, in a Midwestern area. Because I think, you know, for me growing up here, for sure, it's like I'm very used to Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And I even remember my mom didn't want me reading Harry Potter because that freaked her out. Yeah. So, like, have you ever had to, like, come across people being like, ill? you know, why do you have this yes. here? Yes. Tell me about that. So many um, people come in and grab their pearls and run out all the time, um, or they'll come in and they want to. I mean, it's not really all the time. I can also honestly say that we don't have it too often, especially here in Belleville. It was a little bit more, but we were also a couple of blocks away from um, a church as well. Um, but it's not uh, it's not as often as people might perceive, and I think that it's because of. Um, all of the trends that are out there, the yoga trends that are like, oh, crystals and yoga mat spray and all of this. So I think that that's kind of alleviating some of the pressure from the real practitioners that are able to come in and actually get, I'm not going to say real spiritual items per se, but real spiritual items. More authentic. Yes, more authentic, like the actual root work and the curios and the the conjure items and the things that um, 
derived from the Orishas as well. You know, I think it's interesting, too. So I, I, Orishas are new to me. Mm-hmm. I just started learning about them preparing for this segment. Mm-hmm. And I saw several websites that actually compared them to Catholic saints. Mm-hmm. And I thought yes. that was really interesting because we're at St. Louis is a Catholic town, mm-hmm. you know. And there might be more connection there than people realize. Right. So um, the reason why that is is because when um, the slave trade happened, the cattle trade, when they brought over slaves, obviously um, the masters did not allow the slaves to practice their own religion. So they said, here's the Bible, um, uh, particularly Psalms, and um, here are our saints. So they basically took these saints and they said, this Orisha matches with this saint, and this Orisha matches with this saint. So it's, 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 it's synchronized. Um, so that's why there's a lot of um, uh, Bible passages um, that are integrated into um, the IFA uh, practice in religion um, and hoodoo, voodoo, and santeria. Um, it's because they had to um, hide it. Um, so they, they hid behind the saints and they hid behind the Bible. But, I mean, the Psalms book ain't nothing but a spell book. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there, there's a lot of that. You'll see a lot of that. One of the biggest reasons how I even personally got into, you know, metaphysics, witchcraft, what have you, is when I first learned myself about the Orishas. Mm-hmm. And I've always knew, you know, like we were talking about the history of the transatlantic slave trade mm-hmm. and people black people, mm-hmm. people of African descent being stripped of their culture and their ways of uh, worship mm-hmm. and honoring their ancestors. And even not even not just black people, but even like Native Americans mm-hmm. or, you know, indigenous peoples mm-hmm. and how it, get, it gets branded. All of that gets branded as evil mm-hmm. or you're a witch and you're going to get prosecuted if you keep doing it one way or another, that is, for me, the biggest thing, is getting reconnecting to culture that has been lost over generations. Right, and it should be protected, and it should be celebrated and not pushed down. I think that people protect this umbrella of uh, Christianity and Catholicism so hard, and um, they fall right in line um, with um, perceiving anything that is not that as being evil, whereas um, the uh, the tradition and the spirituality of Ifa, Hoodoo and Voodoo and Santeria, um, it's it's to live harmoniously. It's to perceive spirit in all things. There is only one God, but um, I mean we're not pl- praying to rocks or the rain, but um, we pray to the Creator of. And so we're able to feel interconnected with everything around us. And when you feel interconnected with everything around you, you're living that flow in that spirit. And in order to, um, when you're doing that, you're able to um, feel interconnected to your bloodline and to your ancestors. And that allows you to commune with your ancestors. If you can commune with your ancestors, with your bloodline, especially my black and brown people, that means that you can commune with your higher self. And when you can do that, you are unstoppable. 
So in order to feel all of that power behind you, I think it's, it's, it's so beautiful and it's so important and it saddens me to ever even conceive that this is considered evil when it's, it's really not. It's the opposition of. Not that long ago, we had a segment um, that we produced about uh, the death positive movement. And one of our guests, Eileen, uh, shared with us her practices as a Latino woman. Mm-hmm. And at the there's a festival, she was teaching about, you know, Day of the Dead. And, mm-hmm. and even her, her telling me about, as she started learning more about these customs she grew up with as an adult and bring it into the church, people will still like kind of like look at her a little different, like, oh, I don't know about that. She called it, they'll say woo-woo, like I'm Mm -hmm. not into this kind of woo-woo thing. Mm -hmm. But it's as simple as death even, like the acceptance of the full human experience, Mm -hmm. life experience, it Mm -hmm. ends at some point. Mm And I think, tell me if I'm putting my opinion in it now real quick. I feel like the acceptance and with like wrapping your arms around that part of life and that woo-woo mindset is what ends up pushing people or making people scared of the different practices that you have in your store. Absolutely. I mean, I would I would think that Um, The perception of things in a different way is scary to people Um, because when you perceive something differently, your world looks different. Um, So you might not be able to relate to someone who isn't a little bit more perceptive of something like death on a positive level. Um, And I mean, in, in the EVA practice, it's not negative nor positive. It's the way it goes um, and you just have to flow with that and um, harmonize with that and you absorb the energy that is released into the universe and that is power and I don't think there's anything wrong with that when I talk to my mom I love my mom but she you know is a God-fearing woman um, and I explained to her you know there's a lot of what you call like witchy or woo-woo or whatever you want to call it in our everyday life, like when you, like when my mom prays over me just to be safe outside, I'm like, hey, that's setting an intention. You want to protect me? That's the same thing that I'm doing when I do my own practices at home. Mm-hmm. When you have, and you mentioned trends earlier too, and we are coming up on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Got to admit that. Everybody's a witch right now. Everybody. Everybody. Is. How do you, how do you connect those dots for people who are like I'm just into it because it's that's tis the season type thing to but really it's everyday life if you think about it. I think people are so surprised when they walk in and they just are coming in because it's October and it's Halloween season. It's, you know, um the season of the witch. Um I think they get very surprised when they might have walked in just for a tarot reading and they leave with so much more. And I love the touchbacks that we get from those specific people that would never really uh, come in on a general off-season day, but now they will because they're like, oh gosh, like I found a lot of things that's totally relatable. Because I don't think that there's not a person walking 
that couldn't walk in and find something that's relative to their everyday life. Um, we do sell holy water, and we don't sell the Bible because you can get that at a gas station. But we do sell holy water, and we do sell these type of um, uh, artifacts, and it's because they hold a lot of power. Um, and, I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, our whole, like a lot of our nation pumps power for for hundreds of years has pumped power into holy water and the cross and all of that. So this power that it holds, it 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 works when you're actually trying to do work, um, for sure. Um, and that's what it's all about, really. So I think that, um, yeah, everybody walks with some type of intention, especially um, Christians and, and Catholics and all of that, the things that they're doing, lighting their candles and leaving their offerings and taking the body of Christ. Um, and all of that. And I'm not making fun of it at all. Um, but I am saying that um, we're no different. We're talking about the rising popularity of witchcraft this hour with Jade Moore. She's the owner of St. Louis's new mystic shop, Sincerely the Craft. Jade, I'd like to hear you talk a little bit more about the practice of ritual, because as someone who grew up Catholic and now kind of practices certain rituals that I feel help myself, um, you know, psychologically help myself. Sometimes, you know, I think we hear about, oh, there's a shop with crystals, and people think those crystals are magical. And maybe they do. But also maybe that crystal to them, they, they perform a ritual with it, and then they carry it with them, and it reminds them of something they want to keep in their heart, in their spirit. Um, and that can be really powerful to some folks. Yeah, completely. So um, you spoke on crystals, and that is a totally different subject. Um, And I have to say that because crystals do harbor um, the highest density of energy scientifically in our world. So um, when you actually look at your watch or you look at, like, your phone, there's a crystal in it. Um, So, and the reason is because it actually um, streamlines the energy inside of that particular contraption. So... When people come in and they want to know the science behind it, I can tell you. Um, <clears throat> but when we're talking about um, rituals specifically, um, when you are uh, working with your hands and you're doing something with such intention and purpose and you're actually doing something physical, it takes a lot um, off of your anxious mind um, because now you can see it. Now you can feel it. Now you are doing something with it. And wherever your um, attention is going, that's where your your um, purpose is flowing. So it's a lot easier to put something in a jar, right? Um, it's much like having a lucky coin. You don't have to feel anxious about something that you might be walking into, like maybe you're walking into a radio show um, <laughs> and you have your lucky coin. So you're like, that takes the edge off because that will that will make me feel a little bit better. There's no different. Like people have lucky socks when they go to games and all of this stuff, and it makes them feel luckier. Um, and I think that the power in that, um, it's it's all about manifestation and it's all about, you know, tricking your brain into thinking that you have divine control over things. And the truth is you do. Um, You know, if you're stinking thinking, then stinking things are going to happen to you. Um, So if you're doing something to combat that, you're not just doing a ritual. You are changing your mind and you're changing the perception of 
the world in your eyes. So things look different. So you act different um, because you know that things are going to be good because you've did this thing or you've done this thing. And um, especially when you um, have placed all this energy in a ritual and you've got the right herbs and you've got the right crystals and you've got the right oils and all of this, um, it feels like you can take some of the edge off of the hope factor because every human being likes to feel like they are in control of most of the things that they're doing. So this kind of gives them an edge. And there is actually scientific research. I, In the research, I don't think it mentioned manifestation specifically, but research, uh, there was a 2010 um, study that showed that lucky charms can be effective in promoting good outcomes. And I think, you know, it got to a lot of what you just mentioned there about it's all about your mindset mm-hmm. when you're going into it mm-hmm. and your intent. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, with lucky charms or even any like ritual that you do, you really do act different. You act like it's already done. And when you act like it's already done, then you are doing things um, that come after the done product. And when you do that, everybody around you believes it's done. And so it's done. (laughs) I know I just talked in circles, and I'm sorry about that. (laughs) But it makes sense. (laughs) You see it, and you believe it, and so you do it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned how having the shop here in St. Louis, um, which is recent, what, several months ago you moved in, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you were in Belleville, Belleville before. Um, and you mentioned how it is a little bit different now being in St. Louis. I'm curious, what are some common misconceptions about what you do, what you offer that you'd love to kind of clarify for folks? Well, we don't uh, sacrifice babies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no one's ever said that to you, right? Yes. Um, the things that we hear even, uh, and I can say this, we heard a lot more in Belleville, but we haven't been here that long. Um, but the things that we hear sometimes are like, really? Mm. If you believe that, then you believe in a lot more than what's in this store. Um, and you'll believe anything. But... Um, but no, uh, we're not dancing, you know, around bonfires naked under the full moon. I would, but um, <laughs> give me a space and I would. Um, but we're not doing that. Um, we're not doing blood rituals. We're not, you know, um, sacrificing any type of animals or anything like that. And I think that sometimes um, those those things can be very uh, misconstrued as um anything besides um, uh, something under the, the Catholic umbrella or the Christian umbrella seems bad um, or it seems evil or it seems, you know, um, uh, uh, something that we're praying to the devil. I, I don't believe in the devil, so that's, that's not mine. Um, but uh, I often get, are you a good witch or are you a bad witch? And I'm like, are you a good Christian or are you a bad Christian? Because that's the same question. And then how do they answer? Oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I I could see why you would ask me that. (laughs) And you mentioned you don't, hexes are not your thing. You know, you mentioned that, I think, at the start of the conversation a little bit. It's like if someone's coming in to say, hey, I want to spite my ex, you know, you're Mm. like, "Eh." Um, I. It doesn't happen that often, but we generally try, like when someone says, oh, I want to hex this person or I want to do this or the third, 
or, um, oh, I think that someone um, put a hex on me. We get that a lot. Or I think that someone um, has rooted me up. Um, I look at them and I say, do you know how much energy it takes for someone to push bad energy on someone else from afar? And me, myself, if I had that type of power, I would manifest a Porsche. <laughs> no, so. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, you know, I ask them, I'm not trying to say you're being vain, but I am trying to say um, maybe you should try changing your own energy as opposed to um, severing cords with somebody else. Um, and you'd probably find a lot of success there. I know you own a shop. But maybe there's like a quick thing you even do. Maybe you even don't think of it as a ritual in your own life that doesn't even require someone to buy anything that Mm -hmm. would just help them maybe like better understand their own feelings about something they're struggling with or maybe help them manifest something that they want to achieve. Like, is there any kind of maybe just advice you'd give to someone? Um, I think that manifestation is so in grained in our brain. We manifest minutely. Um, We just don't realize it. Um, It's all about just deciding what is, period, and then living that way um, or walking that way or moving that way. Um, In the morning myself, um, I'm not very good at meditating, but uh, what I do like to do is walk through my day um, because I find when I walk through my day and the things that I need to do or have to do, um, we work way better on autopilot. So I am manifesting good outcomes by saying, I'm going to nail this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But more importantly, at the end of the day, fix your mistakes so you can sleep. So sit there and all of the mess ups that you've done, go and fix them in your mind. Um, And again, I'm not good at meditation because I can't clear my mind like an Etch-A-Sketch, but I am really good at walking through um, what I'm going to do and then Um, backtracking on what I think that I didn't do well um, and then clearing that slate so that I can go to sleep. Maybe that's something we can all take with us today. (laughs) Yes. Jade, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. Jade Moore is the owner of the St. Louis Mystic Shop, Sincerely the Craft. It's located on Locust Street in Midtown. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet and Emily Woodbury. Podcast designed by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.